Let's take our Bibles tonight, if you would, go with me to 2 Kings chapter number 7, 17, 2 Kings chapter 17 tonight, and I want to give you something that I believe will be a help and a challenge to you from the Word of God. Once again, it's good to be here, and I want to tell you thank you so very, very much for the accommodations, uh, the good meals. Uh, I've enjoyed the fellowship with Brother and Miss Weiss, and then, of course, Brother and Miss Smith as well, and just thoroughly have enjoyed myself over the last day or so, and appreciate so very, very much. I want to tell the church also, thank you. Uh, it's, it's good to go in a place and know that they're accustomed to preaching. Uh, you don't get that everywhere, to be honest, the liberty, and that, that, that says something not just for the men that have occupied this pulpit, but it says something about you and your heart and your reception to the Word of God. And so I want to thank you so very much uh, for your attentiveness to the preaching of God's Word. 2 Kings chapter 7 tonight. Let's stand if you would. Give you one last chance tonight to stretch your legs. We look to the Word of God. And so notice what it says. 2 Kings chapter 17. I want you to look beginning in verse number 6 with me tonight if you would. The Bible says in the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried, away, carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Hala and in Habar by the river of Gozan and in the city of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt and had feared other gods, and walked in the statutes of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel, and of the kings of Israel which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them high places in all their cities from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill, and under every green tree, and there they burn incense in all the high places, as did the heathen, whom the Lord carried away before them, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols, whereof the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah, by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks, like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant, that he made with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. 
And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and use divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very wroth with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. It's a pretty sobering passage, to be honest. This is not a highlight in the history of Israel. And yet what we had before us is an account that God penned in his word. And the Bible says these things are given for our learning and for our admonition. And so tonight we'll go to the throne of grace and ask the Lord's blessing and his help for us to learn from passage even like this what might speak to our heart and help us to be better in our walk with God. Let's pray tonight. Our Father, we thank you. So very, very much for the privilege of being gathered together even on a Thursday night. And dear Lord, what a privilege it's already been for us to be able to lift our voice and sing praise to you. God, we thank you for the special music tonight and how our hearts have been ministered to. But fathers, we gather around your word. I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help me. I pray that you'd clear my mind, my thoughts. God, that every word that crosses these lips tonight would be in accordance with your plan, purpose, and will. And Father, teach us that which you have for us. And Father, whatever it is tonight that you might put your finger on in our life, Father, may we be open about it. May we deal with it. May we leave here better as a child of God than when we first came. Help us do all that you would like to do in this service tonight. For we ask it together in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so very, very much. You may be seated. You'll remember with me in Israel's history that once Solomon's reign as king came to an end that the nation of Israel split into two. You had the ten tribes making up the northern kingdom of Israel. And then you had the last two tribes making up the southern kingdom of Judah. From the time in which the northern kingdom of Israel rebelled and made Jeroboam their king, to the time in which our text takes place tonight is some 245 years. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you need a reference of comparison, as of July 4th this last year, our country celebrated its 246th year as a nation. And so for 245 years, this northern kingdom existed as its very own nation. And during that time, we are told they had 19 kings. Nineteen kings occupied the throne of Israel and not a one of them does the Bible ever say walked after God. Not a one of them does the Bible ever say that they did right in the eyes of God or sought to please God. Nor does the scripture say about these 19 kings that somehow they walked after David as their fathers. 
And so for 245 years, 19 kings occupied the throne of Israel. And the truth of the matter is, my friend, they didn't do what God wanted them to. They walked contrary to the word of God, contrary to the law of God and the covenant that God had made with their fathers. And so for 245 years, they worshiped false gods and really rebelled against that which God wanted them to do. Finally, God comes to the point and place to where God says, that's enough. God says, I'm through playing games. I'm through of letting this pass. And God put his foot down and said, this is enough. And the Bible says in verse 18 of our passage tonight that he removed them out of his sight. Would you agree with me tonight that according to our passage it doesn't take a genius to realize that God is not happy with the spiritual condition that he finds his people in. And before somebody says, well, preacher, that's the problem I have. That God, that God of the Old Testament, I mean, he's just mean and he's arbitrary and he's full of judgment and vengeance and that kind of stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. First of all, the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And I don't care which testament you're in. He's always a long-suffering, gracious, merciful, heavenly father. But you understand for 245 years, he gave them opportunity to get right. 245 years, they had the word of God available to them, knowing what it was that God wanted and demanded from his own people. Furthermore, for 245 years, he sent prophets and seers and men to preach the word of God and do what God could to get a hold of the hearts of people that their hearts might be softened and they would quit following after the ways of the heathen and rebelling against God to the point that they would soften their hearts and turn to God and do what God wanted them to do. I mean, preacher after preacher, prophet after prophet, it was given to them and don't ever say well like God of the Old Testament my friend God even in the Old Testament was so gracious to give them such opportunities to repent and yet finally God says okay he put his foot down and he said it's enough and he removes them out of his sight. Now I'm interested in this thought tonight. Of all the things that they did. Of all the things that they were involved in. From uh, such wickedness. And ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of wickedness that God listed right here. In the verses we read. 
I mean to the fact that they were literally turning their children over and sacrificing them and worship to these false gods. I mean, Israel has gone, dare I say, way to the left and just gotten out of line. And yet, of all the things that God says that they've committed and they've done, I want you to notice with me tonight specifically verse number 9. The Bible says that of all the things that they have done, what finally caused God to put his foot down was the fact that they were doing these things in a manner of secrecy. It was the secret sins that caused God to say enough. This word secret there, that which they did secretly, that word means to act covertly. It means to act undercover. It's the idea of portraying one thing one way and all the while behind the scenes and in reality doing something else. In Israel... That northern kingdom had accustomed to on the outward showing themselves to be loyal, devoted followers of Jehovah. They put on a show and they put on an act and they did things on the outside and yet truly, honestly, their hearts are not right with God. They're doing secretly things that God did not approve of and God was not pleased with and it caused God to finally put his foot down and it led to their demise and their destruction as a people. Now listen to me carefully tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, as God's people in our day and age, it is still the secret sins that are going to lead to the destruction of God's people and to the point that God will put his foot down. You think, oh, preacher, now you need to understand what I've been dealing with and what I'm involved in, it doesn't affect anybody. It doesn't have any impact on anybody else's life. You may think you have a handle on it. You may think tonight that nobody else knows about it. But you listen to me very clearly. Whether anybody else is aware, whether your parents know what you're doing, young person, whether your spouse is aware of the secret sins of your heart, the truth of the matter is man, woman, boy or girl of any age God is not oblivious to the things that are in your heart and he knows what you're doing you're not fooling God tonight God sees and God is aware you think tonight sometimes people get on the internet and they think well you know this doesn't affect anybody this doesn't have a, a, a real bearing on my marriage or this doesn't have an effect upon my children and that kind of stuff. May I tell you the things that you look at that specially God is not pleased with has a very real way of warping your mind and the way you think and ladies and gentlemen, it does affect you. It affects others. Well, Preacher, I, I'm, just, I'm just dealing with some bitterness and resentment 
and some jealousy and some things and you know it's just something I'm dealing with and it really doesn't have a bearing. No, those things that you think you've got hidden and those things that you think you got a handle on, ladies and gentlemen, they have a way of coming to the surface and God is not pleased with those things that you think you can hide from him. Let's look at some things tonight. Take your Bible and look at a couple of verses with me because I'm not the one who used this term and this idea of secret sins. God is. Look over with me in Psalm 90, would you please? Because if you think somehow that you're going to get by with anything and you're covering something up and God isn't aware, well, I got news for you. As much as God knew what Adam and Eve tried to hide, and as much as God knew what Achan tried to hide, and as much as God knows about anybody else you want to name, I'm telling you tonight, he knows about you and he knows about me. And we're not hiding anything. Psalm 90, if you would. You're there, I'll, I'll get there in just a moment. Look what it says, Psalm 90 and verse number 8. The Bible says, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. All right, when it comes before God, God says he has a way of, of just shining a light and exposing what that is. Go somewhere else with me. Go to Isaiah 29. I just want, I want to build a foundation that you might see from the word of God that it wasn't just one time and one incident that God used this, but we find this issue of secret sins often popping up in the lives of God's people. Look over in Isaiah 29, would you please? Isaiah 29, look down with me in verse number 15. Isaiah chapter 29, in verse 15 the Bible says this, it says, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, Who seeth us and who knoweth us? People think they can get away with things. They think they can hide it. And this isn't just the world. This is God's people that he's addressing here. Go over to Jeremiah 16. It'd do you well to see these verses with your own eyes. And so I want you to see them. Jeremiah chapter 16 and verse number 17. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 17. For mine eyes are upon all their ways. They are not hid from my face. Neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. Ezekiel 11, 5, one more place. We could look at a number of others, but we'll stop here. Ezekiel chapter 11 and verse number 5. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 5, And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, 
and said unto me, Speak, thus saith the Lord. Thus have you said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. It's not just the things we say. It's not just the things we do. It's not just the things that we participate in. But God says, I know everything that goes on to the very point I'm aware of what's taking place in your mind at this very moment. Now isn't that a scary thought? To know that it never really has to cross our lips for God to be aware of it. God knows what we dwell on. God knows what we think about. And to Israel long ago, God finally had gotten to the point where he says enough is enough and he put his foot down over their secret sins. I wonder tonight how close God is to putting his foot down in some of our lives. There are things in which he's spoken to us about there are things in which he's allowed a preacher to open up the word of God and that preacher just simply following the leadership of God. God through the power of the Holy Spirit has put his finger upon things in our lives that need to be dealt with. Things that need to be changed. Things that need to be surrendered and given up. And practices that we need to employ into our life. And yet how often if we're not careful, we kind of shrug that off. We say, well, it's no big deal. I'll get to it. I'll do it later. And we think, well, you know, these secret little things that I'm dealing with, at some point I'll deal with it. At some point I'll let God have his way. And I'm going to tell you tonight, my friend, it may very well be that God's a whole lot closer to putting his foot down on some things than we think he is. So let me talk to you about some things about secret sins. The first thing I'd tell you tonight is this. Secret sins are repulsive to God. God does not like what he sees in the hearts of his people when we try to put on a facade and put on a show and we're more interested in appearing to be spiritual to everybody else than we are really being what God wants us to be. God is sickened by that kind of show. It got to the point that God put Israel out of his sight. He, he had his belly full of it, if we could say it that way. Verse number 16, look what the Bible says in our passage tonight in which we read from 2 Kings. In verse 16 it says, They left all the commandments of the Lord their God and had made them molten images, even two calves. 245 years later, and you know what they're still dealing with? They're still dealing with the two golden calves that come from Jeroboam years ago. Not one king thought it important enough. Not one king said, you know what, we really ought to do away with that. 
Now one king said, I know God's not honored with this. This is the way God would have us to be. God wouldn't want us to do these things. Not one king stood up and had enough backbone and gumption and love for God to try to remove those things. Every single one of them counted it as no big deal. Finally, God says, we're done. That's not the way his people are to operate. Now listen to me tonight. God looks sometimes at his people. And while he loves us, and while he cares about us, and we're the, dare I say, apple of his eye, there are some things in our lives that if we're not careful can be very repulsive to our God. I know you're familiar with the verse, but let me read it to you. In Revelation chapter number 3, in verse 16, the Bible says, So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The Lord was going to vomit because this church thought they were rich thought they were increased with goods and didn't need anything and really had gotten to the point they were filled up with themselves and with pride. And if there's ever a secret sin that sometimes we as independent Baptists can get full of, it's the issue of pride. And yet God is repulsed by that. God's angry. God is, I don't like to think of God as angry. Well, God gets angry, and God gets upset, and he's grieved in his heart by these very things. Mark chapter number 3, verse 5, the Bible says this. says, when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart. You ever thought about, again, our passage tonight says that God removed them. Out of his sight. Hey, do you ever think of all that God has beheld in this world? You go over and read Isaiah chapter 53, you'll find that God the Father watched as God the Son was hanging upon the cross and gave his life and shed his blood as a sacrifice for you and I, the Bible says that the Father saw it and was pleased. I understand the context and the doctrinal implication, but I'm just telling you, there's a lot of things that God has beheld and God has laid his eyes upon, but there came a point where God said, I don't want to look at this anymore. And he removed these people out of his sight. He was repulsed. I'm going to tell you tonight, just to be real honest, it ought to break our heart as a child of God to think that there would be something we would harbor, we would latch on to. After God has been so good to us, 
You read the first part of this, he, he, he qualifies what he's done for them. He's qualified how he led them out of Egypt. He's qualified how he delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh and all the things that he did for them. And my friend, why on earth would we not want to serve a God who's been so good and so gracious to us? How can we stomach to hold on to sin that really is a harm and a detriment to us in the first place, why are we so adamant sometimes about not letting those things go? After all that he's done for us, after all that he's given on our behalf, we find tonight that secret sins are repulsive to God. Let me also tell you tonight that secret sins are revealed by God. You understand, not only do we see that God knew what Israel was doing, but he laid out Israel's secret sins for everybody else to know. And by the way, so how, how, do, you, how do you know he did that? Well, we are reading about it tonight. He led them into captivity. It was aware and everybody understood of the why God was doing these things. God is always has a way of taking what you and I think is secret and covert and revealing it. And don't think tonight, well, I just don't think God would do that in my life. You hold on to something long enough and God deals with you. I'm telling you, He's gracious and he's long-suffering, and he's merciful, and he's gentle, by the way. And the way in which he tries to draw our heart and draw our attention. But if you continue to hold on and practice and do whatever it might be, there comes a point in place where God is not opposed to revealing those very things. He did for Israel, and he will for you and I. When I was a kid, I was convinced as a teenager that the only verse in the Bible that my parents knew was Numbers 32 and verse 23 where the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. That's the only verse I ever heard my parents quote. About every time I left the house, walked out of the front door, my mom would say, don't forget, be sure your sin will find you out. Well, I was a typical teenager. I thought I had things under control. I thought I could do what I wanted. Thought I could get, a, get by with things. I'll never forget, as a 16-year-old boy, I'd come home one night, pulled in behind my mom and dad's car in the, under the carport, went in, sat on the couch, and turned on the television, my dad came out of the bedroom and told me, he said, son, I need your keys. I need to go uh, to town for something. Well, it, it, dad asked for the keys. You didn't question. You didn't argue. You handed over your keys. So I pitched him my keys. He gets out the door and I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me. I have a cassette in my radio 
that I wasn't supposed to be listening to, let alone own. And lo and behold, I had a real bad habit of just shutting off my truck and leaving my stereo roaring. About the time I hear my dad shut the truck door, I made a beeline out of the house, got all the way up to the truck door, and my dad turns it over. Of all the things on that cassette, please misunderstand, don't misunderstand, I'm not bragging, I'm, I'm just telling you what happened. The most explicit lyrics on the entire cassette happened to be when my dad turned that engine over. It blared, it played, my dad looked at me, and I stood there for one of the first times in all my teenage life knowing what the fear of God was all about and trembled. My dad looked at me, popped out the cassette, snapped it, and handed it to me. And he said, what do you think, son? I said, well, uh, be sure your sin will find you out. <laughs> he said, it's pretty much true. So what's your point, preacher? Sometimes we think we're doing things. Sometimes we think we're getting away with things. Sometimes we act like it's no big deal, and you'd be amazed at what God will allow to be orchestrated, to be revealed about our sin. Israel had practiced in the groves and the high places just like the heathen did. There are always those, even of God's people, that think they can get away with something. But I'm going to tell you, God is keeping record, and you're not getting away, and I'm not getting away with anything tonight. Let me read you a verse, Proverbs chapter 6, 26 and verse 26. The Bible says, Whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Would you look with me tonight quickly over in Luke chapter number 12? Look at this for yourself tonight. See, see with me in Luke chapter number 12 and notice what the Bible says. In Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1, the scriptures say this. In the meantime, there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now notice this, there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Hey, secret sins are repulsive to God. They're also revealed by God. Let me tell you also tonight, they're rewarded from God. There's a reward. There is, dare I say it this way, a payment. There are consequences. Don't forget that secret sins have a price. 
You think you can get involved as things as a Christian that really you, you know probably that you have no business messing with. And somehow we've convinced ourselves, well, this doesn't affect nobody and it doesn't hurt anybody. But I'm going to tell you tonight, the truth of the matter is there is a reward for those things in which we get involved in no matter how much we think we're getting by with them and God is not aware of. It's not true. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, 7 and 8, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh of the fleece, flesh reap corruption. Listen, there are a lot of times God's people are going to have to answer for their hard heart and their casual attitudes about the things of God. We need to understand there's a reward. We like this verse. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, the Bible says, Pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. We like it when it's positive. All oh, those things in which we do in secret, God's going to reward openly, and we like it when it's good. But the same principle applies to those things which God is not pleased with. Then there are secret sins that are relative to others. Do you realize what these secret sins led them to do? I've already mentioned it tonight. But it led them to literally take their children and offer them in the fire to gods like Moloch and sacrifice their children. Hey. What you think you can harbor in here and get away with, you'd be amazed how those secret sins have a tendency to lead to other things. You ever think David thought he would end up in such a mess with the issue of Bathsheba to the point that he premeditated the murder of one of his very best friends? You think tonight that David ever thought it would get that far. But the lust in his heart, the secret sin in which he thought he could handle, began to, as Isaiah says, add sin to sin. Began to manifest itself. And before you know it, he ended up in a whole area he never dreamed he'd end up. And if it can happen to somebody like David to whom the Bible says was a man after God's own heart and ladies and gentlemen you and I are not exempt. These things will lead you down a path and get you wrapped up in things. Preacher, I don't want to be wrapped in those things. It's usually a package deal. And they're relative. They're connected and they'll lead to other things. But here's the good thing tonight. Among all the things that we've talked about, how these secret sins are repulsive and they hurt and they grieve and they anger our God to the fact that they're going to be revealed and God has a way of laying these things open, to the issue that there are consequences and rewards as we think about it tonight.
to the issue that they're really relative. They, they, they come connected to other things and usually pull us off down a path that we could have never imagined. And here's the good thing. It's this. Secret sins can be repented of. Did you hear me? Secret sins can be repented of. We don't have to stay with these things. We don't have to harbor bitterness in our heart. Well, preacher, you just don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what I've gone through and how this has hurt me. And somebody in my past, listen, I would never stand here tonight by the grace of God and try to negate the hurt and the pain that some people have gone through through past experiences and that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you tonight, if you're bitter over something that's happened in your past and something that you've dealt with, I'm going to tell you the only real person you're hurting tonight is yourself. Bitterness is like that, as Hebrew says, that root that springs up and troubles you and defiles many. Whatever it is, you ought to find a place before the Lord tonight. So you know what, I've been allowing this in my life and God, you've been dealing with me about it. You've been dealing with me about my attitude You've been dealing with me about jealousy. You've been dealing about the things that I've allowed my eyes to wander and partake of. What, what, whatever it might be, it'd be a good night to find a place to where we get before God and say, God, I want to I let tonight be the night that we get this squared away. Do you realize historically and biblically, that every great revival that's ever broke out starts with a place of repentance. It starts with God's people and that godly sorrow before Him. God, I don't want to be this way. God, I don't want to have these things in my life. God, I don't want to put these things before You. Help me. Give me your strength. Give me your power to get victory over this. That I'd not be harboring secret sins that would cause you to be disgusted and grieved over my life. What a wonderful truth. So preacher, I've, I've been dealing with this for years. Doesn't matter how long you've been dealing with it. We have a gracious God that allow you tonight to be able to repent and start afresh and start anew in your walk with Him. Secret sins. They're real. They were real for the, that northern kingdom of Israel. Calls them some heartache. Calls them to the point where God says, it's enough. Listen, I'll tell you tonight, I don't want God to look at my life and say, that's it, I'm done. I don't want him to have to remove me out of his sight because I wouldn't yield and soften my heart 
I'm glad that he affords us a place of repentance.